Hi, and welcome to Mind the Millennial Gap. My name is Chris, and I'm an elder millennial. And my name is Jillian, and I'm a younger millennial. And together, we discuss topics from our viewpoints across the different ends of millennialism. And we are so happy to have you here with us. Hey, Jeej, how's it going? Hey, Chris. So happy to be here. Before we get started, what do we need to tell anyone today? We've got some exciting things going on right now. So first and foremost, Chris has done an awesome job at getting our current library of episodes up on YouTube, and we are super excited. We are hoping and planning to um, start videoing these and having a video um, along with our podcast on YouTube. We are, I painted a little painting yesterday for the podcast room, the sound room. Um, it's still underway, but hopefully you'll see that in the next few weeks. Yeah, and little little remodel, little yeah, setup. Yeah, exciting things. Wonderful. Yeah, YouTube has uh, definitely been on the back burner, so we finally found the time and understood how to do it. And so if you are kind of like me, I actually prefer consuming a lot on YouTube. Uh, all of our episodes and our catalog will be up there for everyone. Check them out. Wonderful. Any other announcements today? I don't think so. Just okay. very excited for the Are topic. you ready? I am so ready, Christopher. All right, everyone. No, uh, Jillian has been <laughs> uh, not included in this episode. And so sometimes we, we include each other just on the, the topic and concept. But this one uh, I've held close to the chest. And so... Uh, Jillian, we are going to talk about uh, millennial teenage workforce. Oh, interesting. And the trends of the teenage workforce from prior generation and from the Gen Z generation. Because our generation definitely had a non-normal cycle of data there. And so... Really? Yeah, before I get into (laughs) the details, I kind of want to just like prompt... I don't know if every, so for, for, for me, it was very normal for myself to have a job as, as a teenager and for most, if not all of my friends to have jobs. But again, I'm on the little bit older side of the millennial spectrum. What was your experience? So I didn't, I didn't have a like W2 job in high school at all. Um, I was a nanny for the cutest little boy in the entire world who is now, I think, graduated college. And that makes me feel so very old. Um, but I, I don't know if many or if any of my friends did either. It was kind of it, our parents took a line that school was our job and we were expected to get good grades instead of work. Um, and I am very much aware of how lucky I am as an individual that I was given the opportunity to just focus on my education. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's my background. I I feel like you read this article that I read (laughs) that prompted this thought. I I had a completely different thing lined up. And then when I looked at it, I said, I don't like that. I'm going to switch completely. (laughs) And so, uh, I came across an article and it talked about, the decline of uh, the millennial teenage workforce. Interesting. And a lot of it kind of encompassed what you said there. Uh, um, People putting so much preference on teenage school performance or teenage uh, experience that might, that may or may not lend itself to getting into a higher uh, education, you know, institution of education. 
uh, versus other generations where work was almost like a, a, a rite of passage. I'm sorry, teenage employment was almost like a rite of passage, right? So that that's kind of what I wanted to juxtapose today and, and discuss, right? And so let me ask you uh, a handful of questions here, but I'll start with this first one. Do you feel that concentrating on your air quotes, if we had the video up, everyone see me doing the fingers, uh, school work, school experience, school performance was in any way better for you and better outcomes for you than if you had taken on any volume of like just teenage work, right? And when I say teenage work, everyone, it's often an hourly type of job. More often than not, we find teenage work in, in, in re- retail or, or food services of some sorts. And so it's broader than that, but that's kind of generalized when I'm talking about it there. That's a really interesting question. And I think my answer is it might not be applicable to everyone. And I think it did, but only because I had, um, if you guys recall from our Millennials in Religion podcast, uh, Chris and I both grew up in a, what I will refer to, and I myself, as a high demand religion, um, which meant that as a teenager, I was waking up hours early to go to a, 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 relig- a religion class. Mine started at 5.50 in the morning. Um, my school didn't start till like 7.30-ish. So I was up pretty early, um, and then we had at least weekly activities, and then Sundays were just, you couldn't hang out with friends, you couldn't do anything. Um, so I think, yeah, it was almost needed for me not to work in order to keep up with my schooling and maintain any sort of social life at all. And like, I didn't have a, a, like a uproar social life at all. I had my close friends that I still absolutely love to this day, but I think it was only because I had almost a jobs worth of time already committed to something else. And when it comes to the schoolwork and you, you mentioned like staying up on your schoolwork, did you just go to the public school that was in the school district that your parents lived into? Or, uh, some, some people have the opportunity to go to like specialized schools or charter schools or anything like that. I just want to paint that picture so everyone knows what uh, maybe that experience was and how that workload and demand looked for you as you put so much importance on performing well. Yep. So I went to a school. It wasn't my parents' school area. It was the school I was zoned for. Um, but it, it was a little bit specialized in some ways. It had it offered some programs that other schools didn't, and one of that was the IB program, um, which I was part of. Um, and to do that, you, you have like some community service expectations as well. The classes are um, more globally focused, which is really cool, but it's about the same as an AP class. So like essentially, it's if you're doing AP classes, you did IB classes as well. Just maybe AP is a little harder too. Interesting. Did, yeah. you, did you feel that the workload, and I know this is, you're not old by any means, but still <laughs> going back a handful of years. Yeah. Uh, do you think that if work was a reality for you, there was some level of part-timeness that definitely would have been agreeable and or maybe beneficial? Or do you think that just work definitely would have pulled down on your performance and potentially pulled down what you look like on paper while you pursued uh, higher education outside of 
uh, compulsory like K through 12. Yeah, no, I think it absolutely would have. I think the beauty of being a nanny besides it being the best and nicest job ever at that time um, and for the nicest family was it let me like the sweet baby would go to sleep and then I would just have time to study and read and I don't know why there's so much reading in like high school, but I was like ripping through books and having to like take notes on things. And your teacher would grade your book notes. So I think absolutely if there was something where I wasn't able to not so much multitask, but kind of be on the clock and do my schoolwork to maintain good grades. Interesting. I actually had closer to the opposite experience. Oh, please tell me everything. Um, I don't know what child labor laws were Oh no! when, when <laughs> I grew up, um, I got my first, like, didn't work for my parents, like earning a buck for doing chores around the house job when I was 12. Oh, did, okay. Did you have to pay taxes on this job? <laughs> I don't know if I want to dox myself, but I definitely was paid cash. I love it. From a municipality. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> <laughs> um, my my very first job, I, I refereed soccer games. Uh, since since I can remember, uh, my dad did not want me to play football. Uh, he didn't have, I think he had a positive experience with him playing football all through his youth and up through high school. Um, but he didn't want us to maybe experience some of like the physical outputs of that. And And let's be real. I wasn't a big dude in high school. <laughs> there were a lot bigger people. I didn't I didn't hit like my peak until well after high school <laughs> to my detriment, but also like probably like to my like longevity it's that way. And so I was I was playing soccer since I was just a young young kid. Yeah. And uh I couldn't recall who approached me, but I was approached just at soccer practice and someone was like, "Would you want a referee?" It was like two days on a Saturday and Sunday, sit through the curriculum, take a test. And then I was 12 years old walking to the soccer fields to go work all day, like on a Saturday, just doing like rec league soccer. And I had a job since I was 12 to today. Okay. That is kind of absolutely amazing. First of all, that you were so young and so baby. And they were like, you youth get out there and rough some soccer. Cause we, we watch, a fair bit of soccer. You, you more than I do of kids soccer. Um, but it, parents can be mean. So props to you for going out there and having the, the, uh, strength and the wherewithal to be able to make those calls. And not yeah, I, w- I would say community by community yeah. is maybe how parents land. Um, but in my community where I grew up there, the, the soccer league just grew year over year and what i thought was a larger town uh we i've been since corrected i didn't grow up in a large town i grew up in maybe a small to medium suburb it's not the suburb (laughs) (laughs) the suburb stopped about 20 minutes before your town started i think i grew up um i haven't been there forever i grew up (laughs) half an hour outside of nashville in in a in a great little town in middle tennessee and uh, my town had no problem funding parks, and so we had we had great we had great parks, we had great facilities, we had really good, well-run leagues, and it just seemed like there were, just were never enough people 
because I actually have had another job in the basketball league, you know, as a teenager really? there too. Yeah, you yeah. Were a two sport referee. Uh, I didn't ref. I actually ran uh, the books and the scoreboard for like little kid like basketball when I was in high school too. Okay, that sounds adorable. It was great, you know, <laughs> just show up, spend the day, get paid per game. It it was wonderful. But when um, I'll post the Washington Post article online so everyone can reference it, there's a diagram on there. And in the diagram, they actually show multiple generations up to millennialism and the, um, I guess, quantity of the workforce. And when I say quantity of workforce, we're talking about kids that are between uh, 16 and 19 when you're talking about teen workforce. And it kind of like peaks and valleys a little bit. And then approximately to the year 2000, year 2001, it craters. Interesting. Craters through the floor and then as the years go on and the um, generation changes over to Gen Z, it actually starts climbing quite a bit. That's like at, at quite a clip. And so I knew since we were both on <laughs> opposite sides of being millennials, yeah. <laughs> my experience was, and maybe it was the community I grew up in too. You know, yeah. I didn't grow up in a predominantly white collar community. Most, uh, most of my community was uh blue collar to kind of in between. Um, there was uh, a lot of engineers and a lot of uh, laborers mm, yeah. where where I grew up. And then some people had services and small to medium-sized business, that type of thing. My sister is the youngest millennial you can possibly be. She was born in uh, 1996 and January. So she's like, I think millennialism ends in 1995 and she just counts herself a little bit past it. Um, but she actually, I think, is my first, the first sibling to have like a W-2 job, which kind of fits in with that trend you were saying of stuff, of employment starting to pick up again for Gen Z. Do we have any idea why this is happening? So there's a couple of things there, but what, if you know, what got your sister into the workforce as a teenager? I think it was kind of having some of that extra income. Um, I, she had a car. She was driving. She was a little bit more independent. Um, she also had just my family moved when she was a freshman in college or in high school. And um, so I think her circle groups were like rebuilding slowly. She was slowly getting entrenched in. But it was some a, a way to fill her time if I am speaking correctly for her. Probably something around, along that line. Interesting. So one of the theories in the article goes down the thought train of, oh, maybe millennial teenagers in that in that moment of time or during that period of time got really into extracurricular activities. So one thing is to be academically high performing. Yeah. Another one was uh, extracurricular activities. Where did that line up with you? They were almost like the same thing, right? Like you had to be a well-balanced student in order to go to college is how it was always like taught to us. So not only did you have to succeed academically, but you had to have like good volunteer service and you had to be, you had to participate in exactly that extracurriculars, whether that was like a club of some sort, like a future business leaders of America type club or whether it was sports 
um, kind of showing those almost resume items as a teenager saying, I can do it all. <laughs> Where do you fall in this? Because we're talking about what are old children, right? Yeah. In this In this moment, we're like, in a very short period of time, figure out how to put as much stuff on paper as possible that might differentiate you from other people. Yeah. Like that, that, it seems it's not impossible. I've seen people do it, but there's also that viral kid that, that uh, gave the graduation speech. I don't know if everyone knows what I talk about where he's like, I wish I wasn't the valedictorian. <laughs> I wish I spent some time hanging out with y'all. Yeah. I wish I did more things rather than get a point higher on a test than the rest of you. Right. Yep. And I think there's a, kind of a lot there to unpack. I think in some ways it's a good thing because it allows you as a teenager to try a lot of things with the fallback of most people lived with their parents. Most people like parents were there to help or support them in extracurricular ways, right? You, you figure out soccer is not your sport. You are, that's okay. That's fine. Your entire future isn't necessarily riding on that. But there is definitely something to be said about the loss of um, kind of those years where you are a little bit more carefree. You don't have quite as many commitments or or ties to things. And um, how do you spend those years? I know you're kind of of the mindset, at least in some ways, of like let kids be kids for as long as they can. Does that carry into high school for you? Maybe a little bit. I do fundamentally, this is me and me alone. Right? <laughs> I'm not going to express this on anyone else. But fundamentally, I think high school is a place to like give people Legos, right? Figuratively. Oh, interesting. And it's like, what are you going to build with these safe like pieces that you've been provided, right? Yeah. And I think, I don't know how college finishing college was for you and going into the workforce with a college degree, it was underwhelming for me. And as a reminder, can we remind everyone what year we graduated college? Oh, yes. I graduated college uh, December of 2007. And so three months later, uh, Lehman Brothers went under, Wachovia went under. So that was the very beginning of... <laughs> We've had so many recessions now. Do they hold <laughs> unique names anymore? The recession of 2008 is when I graduated uh, college. How about you? I graduated in 2015, um, April. I don't think, I, I'm unaware if there was anything financially or economically happening at the time. <laughs> right. Um, but for, for me, there wasn't that, that shiny thing at the end of getting my college degree. I'd already worked quite a few jobs and quite a few jobs that didn't require college degrees. So I understood what menial work is. I understood what labor <laughs> type type work was. And essentially college was for me not to be a laborer was kind of how I went. It was, it was the, I guess, um, the gateway into white collar work and maybe away from blue collar work. Had I done it all again, that's not this this episode. Had I done it all again, I probably would have leaned into blue collar work more and been a business owner around a blue collar service that that's more specialized and unique. But I didn't have that information while I was 
going through my educational process, right? Yep. Call back to, I think it's episode two or three or those early days where we talk about college being something that was pushed on a lot of millennials and something that is definitely a privilege and how people can succeed in whatever path. And it's really unfortunate that so many people were pressured into going to college when there are, there are different paths. Absolutely. Success. But to button up the thought of what you asked me, uh, I, me myself, I personally enjoyed the experience yeah. of having the responsibility of a job in my teenage years. I think it, introduced me to what work could be like maybe not is like but could be like and i don't think i had jobs that my other friends had and they didn't have jobs i had so it could have been any type of experience there but i really think getting those building blocks just like just like parents send all of their kids to preschool now instead of before kindergarten where kindergarten used to be the entry point to to education there's all these like little half steps mm-hmm. little prep things yeah i personally believe that being a teenage employee of some nature is beneficial that's where i land i can definitely see that it definitely does teach skills that you use a lot during life like time management, some money management. You get your first experience with taxes and having to be responsible for that. You learn um, how to like report to someone in most cases. There's there's a lot there. You make a good point. Yeah, absolutely. But again, this, it might not be for everyone, right? It, it, I think it's all circumstantial. But on, on the whole, I'm, I'm a big supporter of it, right? As long as it's not detrimental to maybe more main goals of whatever you're trying to pursue scholastically right and then i think oftentimes what i saw was um, maybe the employment the teenage employment to maybe some of my friends detriments and i don't know if i've called this out before but some people delayed going to post-secondary education because they're job that they had in in that moment Mm -hmm. looked and felt like a really good job yeah and they couldn't justify stepping away from that that paycheck (laughs) that cash flow that job they were comfortable in to go and pursue the education to maybe some other career path right yeah so i can see how it can be a little detrimental without uh help guidance all of those things it's so it's so funny it's so interesting in that regard but um, I think if we can find a way to have people um, get that initial experience, it really helps them when it's like, all right, and now I have fully finished everything. I'm done <laughs> with whatever the level of education anyone wanted to get. I've done all the prerequisites to whatever career path mm-hmm. I think that I'm interested in. And it's not the shock. It's not this like surprise to anyone. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like, I don't know if you were like this as a kid, but I was petrified of making phone calls. Like I did not want to talk to anyone on the phone and my sweet mom would just sit with me and like we would do a little script and write out what I was going to say on the phone call Um, and she would be right there in case I froze up and that almost feels like what some, like to some degree what this is. Like you're going to screw up. It's going to be a little scary sometimes like Sometimes workplace interactions and the things you have to do in jobs are, are just not fun, but this is a good way to practice on something relatively lower stakes. Exactly. 
So going back to high school experience, uh, recapping, uh, I worked like off cycles. Like I worked summers and I take some weekend jobs, but I wasn't, I wasn't the kid leaving school to go to a job. Right. Uh, Jillian stated that uh, W2 employment wasn't normal in her high school experience and she nannied at some point. In my limited, yeah, limited high school experience. Exactly. And so when we sit there and think about that, uh, Jillian and I went to the same university, uh, not at the same time. The university we went to, uh, not the hardest to get into, not the easiest to get into. I would argue it's middle of the road. Fair. Right? Yeah. And so if you sit there and look back at your scholastic efforts mm-hmm. and your extracurricular activities and any free time that you had. Do you think you needed all of that to get into the school that you ended up uh, getting your education through? I don't know. I think we were also scared of not getting into any school, but like it, it did feel very needed at that time. And I'm a little hesitant to say like, would that have changed any sort of outcome for me? I don't know. This is a private institution. I'm not sure how they weigh certain activities. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it was as easy as GPA standardized test score. Interesting. Interesting. I There is that kind of matrix that schools put out every once in a while that's like, all right, <laughs> find where you fall and here's like your percentage chance of coming in. I don't know, Chris. That's very interesting. Right. So in the article, they actually uh, discuss that question with, a, a, I don't know if he's an academic. I'd have to pull it up. He might be an admission advisor at, mm-hmm. at uh, Purdue. Yeah. And so um, if no one knows what Purdue is, Purdue is uh, an engineering branded school based out of Indiana. Um, a lot of uh, students who are pursuing some level of engineering might find themselves going to Purdue. Interesting. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, the Boilermakers. Uh, the, the Wait, their names are the Boilermakers? Yeah. This um, is the cutest university I've ever heard of. So I don't know how they're tied to, to making trains, but at some what? point maybe they're tied to making trains because that is their mascot. It's a train? Well, boiler Boilermaker, you know, that you, you use water, make steam makes the locomotive go it's not it's not in it's not gasoline combustion you are blowing my mind today christopher (laughs) and that's the episode everyone i finally got there finally got there with jeeves in the episode (laughs) amazing yeah but um this admissions counselor or whatever he does within the admissions office is like it's often overblown yeah of the application he's like this they don't for aptitude and ability and being able to take a look at a student and see if they would thrive, if they would be successful at that university. Do you think it's a little bit like, I don't know how many resumes you've looked at recently, but I feel like I've seen a lot where um, people are really hardcore listing like their six internships and I'm like, do less, do less friends. Like at this point, I feel like you're overqualified to come work with me at a previous job. Yeah. I think at this point in my career and uh, roles that I interview and or have hired for, yeah. 
it's almost that way with certifications. Oh, interesting. And it's like, cool, you can pass some tests. Have you done anything? Do you have information? Can you talk me through how you did that? Rather than you shelled out, you know, a couple of hundred dollars to sit for a certification. Now it sits with your name, right? So extracurricular activities are the certification of the high school world? Question mark? Uh, I think there's loose correlation there, right? But it's like, what's what's valuable, right? What will set you apart? And I think often or not, when I looked at, when I was just kind of thinking through this thought, it's we put so much stress on kids building like an academic resume that we just might lose sight that they don't need it all. Yeah. And now, granted, I will not say, this is not me painting with a mop, this is not <laughs> inclusive of all circumstances. I know if you want to go to like a specialized art school, specialized music school like Juilliard, things yeah. like that, there needs to be a portfolio. There's performances. There's all of those types of things. But maybe a little bit more middle of the road academic institution, general institution mm-hmm. is what I'm speaking towards. Interesting. And so when I sit there and think back of why, why did millennials so on the on the graph if anyone wants to get it from the url that's uh in the the details uh after year 2000 2001 the the graph of um employed teenagers of the millennial generation just falls off right i've said that before and so i think a lot of it comes down to maybe over rotation of leaning into if I have a job, it'll take away from some of my ability mm. to create this resume. Yeah. And then they also brought something very, very interesting that I didn't correlate together is um, during the financial crisis of 2008, um, that particular recession or borderline depression, depending on how you want to measure it, a lot of adults were actually out of work. That's right. And a lot of that adults is, yeah. um, were potentially entering back into the workforce um, in a lesser role. Yeah. And so they're just taking, mm-hmm. they're, they're creating labor supply for jobs that maybe they're overeducated for or things like that just so that they could generate cash flow mm-hmm. from where they maybe have been misplaced at a company that was downsized due to the economic downturns of 2008 and so maybe that's also a caveat they brought there and saying there wasn't as much job availability for those teenagers too okay that is super interesting to me only because my experience i grew up in a banking heavy city like think of a banking heavy city there, there's only like three, everyone. There's, there's Mine was in North Carolina. And um, it, and uh, we turned 16 in the year of 2008. So when people are learning and to drive and have the ability to kind of get to jobs is right when all of that would have been occurring. So like maybe my experience, even within that realm of millennials, like younger millennials aren't getting... Um, jobs during high school like sits even further past the norm because of that circumstance i saw to think about i saw a comment on reddit and it was someone referring to before covid yeah it was like in the before times in the before times i want that to like (laughs) 
really take off because I think it's hilarious, right? But I think that actually kind of holds true to the sentiments that were being expressed prior to COVID and that uh, many people were making it through four-year education uh, in, in a university college, uh, community college type setting. They're actually finding themselves with a very limited job supply pool yeah. to actually take that education, take that investment in themselves and apply it. Um, I don't have the stats in front of me, but the general sentiment is that many college graduates prior to COVID were actually finding themselves in service jobs again just to bridge the time and oh the yeah. cash flow until they could actually find something that was was more meaningful and more aligned to what their maybe career aspirations were or actually lined up to what their education uh, surrounded, what they wanted to specialize and take a career forward into. So the gig economy uh, around uh, rideshare, um, food delivery, such as DoorDash and all of that kind of stuff, um, and baristas at Starbucks, these are all the generalized things that were kind of surrounding those comments and that thought train around not having enough job. Now we're in a different circumstance. Uh, it might be trading just a little bit, but the last year there's been quite a bit of jobs that are reducing their qualifications just to find anyone to work in them, right? And so it's 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 quite interesting in a very short lifetime to watch this this job supply just ebb and flow so hard on Americans and what they do in their career and what they do as a profession, right? That's very interesting. And so for for someone who maybe didn't work much during high school years, was anything surprising to you when you actually finished college? Because um, I know you worked in college. That, that might yeah. be the, the segue. Yeah, I did work in college, and I think I had a lot of those high school type jobs actually in college they were just a little delayed I worked at a Jamba Juice on our school's campus which was great and I worked in a food truck I was a food truck early for a minute um so I think I, I ended up having what a high school job experience would be like um can I put a pause on you really yeah quick? you can for all those listening um I know some of y'all have known Jillian for a while. Some of y'all are, are her friends, our friends. And then some of you only know her through the podcast. If I were to put Jillian in a like college job, she would be the girl with a Red Bull backpack handing out Red Bulls on campus. Th this is just who she is. <laughs> she's beautiful. She's, she's spunky. That is who she would be. That's what she would be doing. <laughs> I'm just a hype girl. <laughs> that's, that's just it. Um, <laughs> thank you, Chris. That was, that was very kind words. <laughs> I think, um, so I can like distinctly remember, yeah, like graduating from college and almost like there's a picture of me and you can see like the life just isn't in my eyes at that moment. Like I had a really hard time with the transition from college, really from it was like kindergarten, right? All the way to the college. I had a something to do every day. I had a purpose. Um, and I just, I, I had a job. I was working for the same place I had interned at, 
but I was completely unfulfilled and unhappy and uh, was questioning everything I had studied, everything since then. And I think, I think, um, you know, some people are really good at like rebounding off of like hardships. I'm not that great at that. And I think had I maybe had or some practice of that earlier on being like this, not that, I, that would have changed kind of how I felt and kind of the self-esteem I had about myself as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think if we look, uh, if we can just commentate on the rise of Gen Z teenagers um, in the the job pl- marketplace, I I haven't paid much attention. Like when I just in my normal day to day, I'm not sitting there and taking a look and noticing who's doing what. <laughs> but but outside of um, the pandemic, the graph obviously falls through the floor, right? Just no one working in the service industry, teenagers just didn't work in that year-ish is kind of what it's depicting. Mm-hmm. Picks right back up, still continues to climb. Do you think that's a function of people are finding value in working again? Is life getting more expensive as a, as a Gen Z? Like, I don't know if you have much facts, but what do you think there? I really don't know if I could just like postulate I think there is like we people swung back hard for the things that were missing in COVID and you're around the same people a lot of the time anything to kind of get out and and do something else I think people really um, were drawn to and I think yeah like life is getting more expensive we are seeing like some inflation going on and things like that and I think too like Gen Z is is so beautiful in their very own way. Um, and I think some of the values that they have are embody um, a, an attitude that maybe is more prone towards working. Like I think they're willing to explore outside of a box. And um, some of that exp- exploration might be like, hey, is this something I want to try out more long term? I don't know. That's just my thoughts. What are your thoughts, Chris? I think it comes down to they found their price point, right? Jobs were so locked into the federal minimum wage for such a long time or just a marginal amount over the federal minimum wage that they were finding that people, I think businesses generally or the, the jobs that were available to maybe the teenage cohort people weren't willing to exchange their time for that value of money on an hourly basis and the advent of a labor shortage Mm -hmm. post can we say post COVID is that, is that allowed? I'm sorry. Since the, since the world has opened back up, like I don't want to say post COVID it's not done, but it's it's definitely, it's (laughs) definitely different, better place than it was in its origination. Uh, Hourly jobs, wages. I mm-hmm. you can't you can't go to a fast food restaurant without seeing it like pasted on a window. Looks like everyone is still continuing to be short or wanting to hire more staff, and they have no problem posting what their com- maybe more competitive hourly wages now than it ever has been with even additional benefits, right? Because as an hourly employee, often you're excluded from benefits. Yeah. And now you have these major employers, typically around retail or food service, mm-hmm. it seems, 
or or, or Amazon for that matter. Yeah, uh, as from well. day one. Like fulfill, fulfillment and things like mm-hmm. that. They're actually offering benefits to hourly workers, yeah. which didn't exist at all when I was uh, an hourly worker. I think that is a wonderful thing. Like people need to be treated well, no matter if they're hourly or salaried. And that, that was a distinction that an employer could make. Seems really unfair looking back at it. Um, yeah, so maybe that is. The federal wage still needs to be raised, still need to do that. But it is great to see so many companies kind of um, being willing to, even if the government's not mandating it, they're raising it themselves. And, and Yeah, I would actually argue the opposite, that the wage doesn't need to be raised whatsoever because no one is filling positions at that wage. And I can see the, the counter argument is like, well, bring it up to at least the competitive level that everyone's actually willing to work again. Um, I can see both sides of that. What I really like is the, the marketplace is dictating, right? The, the, the people, the employees in the marketplace collectively are dictating better outcomes, right? College assistance in, in some of these, these jobs that might not have a destination is beautiful. What Target did for, for yeah. their employees. It's amazing. Lo- they should be applauded, right? I know Amazon is a mixed bag, generally, depending if you're watching the news or how, whatever side you sit on there. But them offering additional benefits to hourly employees should be applauded. Um, maybe what they're doing around unionization can be scrutinized a little bit, but just offering those benefits is what I think is actually getting more teenagers, more very, very young adults back into the workforce because it's like, ah, I'd be willing to exchange my time for for that outcome, mm-hmm. right? Interesting, yeah. But yeah, I'd, it, it was just, it was fascinating to me because I knew that you and I had very different experiences when it came to teenage jobs (laughs) teenage high school job and experience and then watching it bounce back is actually really intriguing that is very interesting very interesting i am gonna read that article i would love to know more about kind of their findings there and if there were any conclusions drawn like all articles, like all math, <laughs> this is this is a, this is one, yeah. a sample size of, one, of one. The data set is large enough to draw con- like themes, maybe mm-hmm. not full conclusions. So I want I just want to make sure that's out there for everyone. Um, but I think it's it's great in starting the thought. It is because it can ex- it can show a theme, right? Yeah. So, Jeej, what has been your favorite? Uh, favorite job you had before you graduated college? Oh, easy. Donut. Donut girl. <laughs> All right. Tell people what that was. Okay. So it was a food truck. <laughs> so around, uh, I don't know what year it was, 2013, maybe 2014, the world started loving food trucks again, which was so fun. Um, and here in where we live, there were a handful of like food truck roundups even where you would just have all the food trucks in kind of the area come together. I saw one just a couple of weeks ago at a park. Did you really? It seems to still happen occasionally. Oh, I love that. I yeah. would love, 
love to go to one. You go pay for some overpriced food. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but the food truck I worked at was this cutest. It was donuts. They were tiny mini donuts and they were so good. And it was a dad and daughter run company. And I worked, there were two different food trucks. I worked for the dad side of the food truck and he was this on the surface like grumpy man and underneath the surface the sweetest like most marshmallowy person he was wonderful um and really so so what the job entailed was I worked with um my best friend and we would sit in the food truck and make donuts for people so give people happiness and they would give us big tips back and it was it was incredible I remember maybe part of my depression was after finding, after um, having a job, I was like, I made so much more as a donut girl. I made so much more as a donut girl. Um, it was just very beloved at the time. And still, well, man, my mouth is watering. I don't know if you guys can hear it, but I'm like thinking about their donuts and my <laughs> mouth is watering. They were like melt in the mouth, little crispy pieces of heaven. So yeah, that was for sure my favorite. Do you think that there is room in the marketplace for another donut truck oh you know what i don't know if food trucks are the deal anymore i think especially post-covid we're a little bit more careful about the um like sanitation and stuff and i'm gonna tell you like food trucks try their best (laughs) but they are roaming food service places tell you what hasn't stopped the cookie shops from jumping up all over the place it it, it, did yeah they're not they're not on the road interesting okay the road juices so i had a heart i've had quite a few jobs and at this point a handful of different careers <laughs> in my time but every single time i think about it the the summers that i lifeguarded were still <laughs> some of my favorite times if i could find a way to make like a white collar wage being a lifeguard and having a comfortable lifestyle I'd maybe go pick that again. I'd, I had to lose a little bit of weight, and learn how, you know, get back in the pool again and swim. <laughs> but that's that's some of my favorite favorite times as as an employee. Were you a lifeguard the summer before you were voted like the hottest man? No one needs to know any of that stuff. <laughs> and yes, I was. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. What was your least favorite job? Oh, my least favorite job? Yeah. I had for two days. I love this. Okay. And so um, I took a sabbatical of sorts for, for a couple of years. And when I was done with that, I had uh, come back and I was like, oh, you know what? I'll just call up some some people I knew, some old jobs I had. And there just weren't any available jobs at those places where I knew people or where I'd worked before. And so my mom had introduced me to the... Um, the reality of job placement service companies. I had no clue what these were ever. Are you familiar with? No one's. Okay. So they're a little predatory in nature is how I'll sign them up. Essentially they contract with companies that are looking for employees. They do a screening. They do their best to just shove anyone that is, meets the minimum qualifications of a job into that job. And then they take a cut of your paycheck for a certain period of time. Okay. Um, 
until you like are are their placed and active employee, right? Gotcha. Because they placed okay. you into a very quick turnaround job. Okay. Right. Yeah. And so, um, being relatively young and not very far along into college, I was like, oh, sure, I'll I'll do that. This is before like the the real like power of the internet <laughs> and, and all of these things just then. <laughs> And of course I qualify for the the worst like job that exists that they had as as a laborer. And essentially it was a metal fabrication warehouse where they had on inventory just metal components, right? And my job was to pick orders for uh wherever whoever had ordered it. And we're talking about moving like metal beams and and stuff onto. Oh wow! Right, it, I was imagining like little no. like screws and things. <laughs> no, we're we're talking like um, rebar, metal beams, like like some big big metal products you move and some things I like beams. that. I did it, and it was <laughs> it was um, pseudo like second shift, so it was like noon to eight something around that so it was it went into the evening and so and then you put on the fact that I was 45 minutes away from where I was oh, where wow. I lived on top of that yeah. I went one night I was like this isn't the worst thing I ever done the second night when I was sitting there just grunting eye beams onto a <laughs> shelf onto a um a forklift yeah. I know a lot of people would be like you had a forklift why didn't you use it the way they had the inventory structured, you actually had to like break the 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 bundle on a shelf, and you had to take them off piece, um, piece at a time, and put them onto a forklift itself, right? And after that awesome. night, I had I had never quit a job, ever, and not given notice, and yes. not been like the end of an expectation. Yes. I just called them up. I was like, I won't be showing up. <laughs> and and I got the, the job placement people coming. They're like, they loved you, this, that, and the other. I was like, they were great people. I hated that job. I would not be doing that. <laughs> and I went and found a better Fair job enough. within a week. Fair enough. So I think we all eventually get a, a, a worst job. You've got to have like a good story in there of like a worst, yeah. A worst job. A good one. I'm I'm sure I have a couple. If anyone yeah. ever wa- like I would be happy to do Q&A for the people that listen and just send general questions. I will honestly answer them <laughs> and I'll sign Jillian up. She will honestly answer anything that you want to send her as well. With an asterisk that there's probably some things that should not be talked about on there. We we may or may not screen the questions, but are very open-minded yes. to airing all questions. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Let's do this. Yeah. I know that we've had interaction with uh, people who listen to us across all of our platforms. Yes, Where can people thank you. Find us? Okay, well, interacting with you all like makes our day. It really is what drives us to keep going. It's so much fun. We've heard so much fun feedback from you guys. Um, if you want to find us, you can find us on Instagram at Mind the Millennial Gap. You can find us on um. TikTok at Mind the Millennial Gap Pod. You can find us at Gmail at Mind the Millennial Gap at gmail.com. 
And you can find us on YouTube at Christopher. Do you want to help me out here? I believe we are Mind the Millennial Gap on YouTube. Amazing. If you just search us, I know you come up. I've been trying it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so most of the catalog is on. I'll be putting the rest of the catalog on before the end of the week. Amazing. Wonderful. So what'd you take away from today, Juge? Okay. First of all, I am looking up the Boilermakers right <laughs> after this because I suspect they also have a very cute logo similar to the banana slugs or the Savannah bananas. They have a, and a my, my apologies. This is my honest take. If anyone is a Purdue fan, uh, the Boilermaker mascot itself uh, looks like a zombie with a hard hat and, and a sledgehammer. You've, I'm even more intrigued now. So <laughs> that was first and foremost amazing. Second, I had no idea that jobs dropped off that much or that so many people had jobs before. Um, we had like a little technical difficulties and I looked at the, the graph during some of the downtime while recording this. Um, and it was like it almost cut in half between the beginning of millennialism and then to the end, um, which was amazing. That is, that is a drop. Yeah. And then I think the last thing I want to get out there is, um, the week of the, is that the last week of September? I want to say it's the last week of September, the week of September that starts on the 26th. Uh, Jillian and I will actually be getting on a plane on the 27th that tuesday to go down to australia uh we're gonna go celebrate being partners and get married down in australia uh we will have episodes out every single monday still i think we'll plan on having an episode out there but if you want to see we'll pick up our posting on social media for anyone who wants to come and, and join us on what that is for us we'll share the things that we think are uh shareable we'll hold a couple things ourselves but um, definitely come and, and take a look. This is quite an experience to go across the world to go get married. We're looking forward to it. There will be koala pictures. Definitely koala pictures. Um, <laughs> some, some Vegemite for sure. Producer Ace has cautioned us not to touch the koalas. <laughs> I signed up for a cheeky chat and pat. I will be chatting and patting the koalas. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, if you all didn't know, Jillian is actually quite the, the travel organizer is that what would you call yourself <laughs> maybe anxious traveler so we have a whole lineup i'm looking so i'm just so excited about all the aspects of, of going to australia and so come and join us go onto our social media we'll be posting quite a bit uh feel free to interact we'll be online we'll answer stuff when we're not busy yep absolutely and follow us on TikTok. We've got some fun things we did by um, little mini mics and <laughs> recorded our first What are mini bikes? Just so people don't know. Geez. Imagine a microphone. Now imagine it mini. It's a mini mic. And you can hook it up to your, your iPhone. It's great. Awesome. Yeah, we'll be doing more content <laughs> on TikTok uh, in the TikTok format. We just think that it's a platform that we can reach more people on. It's very fun. We love it. Wonderful. Maybe we'll get Chris to learn to dance. <laughs> I I would need some incentive for me to post a dance uh, on TikTok. <laughs> so if we can figure that out, I'd be open to it. Love it. Wonderful. Anything else, Cheech? That's it. Thanks for another fun week. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, we will be back and we will uh, have another topic for you next time. 
Thank you, everyone. Bye.